There is an urgency for believers, new and old, to wake up, get out of bed, get dressed, and to put on the armor of light because there is still work to do. Paul's clarion call to awaken from our complacency and malaise is the call of Advent. That's the Reverend Dr. Teresa Thames, and today she shares a challenging message of Advent faith called, What Time Is It? I'm Peter Wallace. It's day one. Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's historic Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Now to introduce this week's preacher, here's our host, Peter Wallace. Thank you, Sherry. Today on day one, as we enter the season of Advent, we're honored to welcome the Reverend Dr. Teresa S. Thames, the Associate Dean of Religious Life in the Chapel at Princeton University in Princeton, New Jersey. An ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, Teresa is a graduate of Howard University, earning her Master of Divinity at Duke University Divinity School and her Doctor of Ministry degree at Wesley Theological Seminary. She is a popular preacher, thoughtful theologian, certified yoga teacher, accomplished coach, and much more. Teresa, welcome to Day One and a blessed Advent to you. Thank you. So this is your seventh academic year at Princeton University. Introduce us to the university, its history, its students, its programs. Oh, Princeton is an Ivy League university in Princeton, New Jersey, and it welcomes students from around the world. Its largest population is its undergraduate population, and it is a joy to work with students, um, working with undergraduate students, graduate students, and I have amazing colleagues across the campus. And so my role intersects with faculty and staff, and we create meaning, and it is it is the marriage of my passions to be in that role. Mm. So say more about your responsibilities as Associate Dean of Religious Life and the chapel. I work on Sunday morning worship, just like being a pastor in the local church. And I do worship services throughout the week. I do programming with students to really engage students and not just worship as far as what we think of as worship on Sundays or whatever their faith is, Mm -hmm. but to really make meaning of their academic lives and their spiritual lives. Um, We say connecting the mind and the body and the spirit. And also working with faculty and staff, not only around issues of religion and spirituality, but in, again, making meaning across disciplines in co-curricular and extracurricular in the classroom. So it is really an opportunity for us to think broadly about how we see ourselves and identities of faith. Of course, Princeton, I guess, started out as a church-related university. It's kind of moved on from that. But how would you gauge the spiritual life of the students in these challenging times? The students come to campus (laughs) wide-eyed. They are young and curious. And they're also at the age of life where they're trying to understand themselves. And some come with religious and spiritual background from home, and many others do not. And so helping them to think about spirituality Mm. 
and their academic routes that they're on. And so it is absolutely mind-blowing and exciting to have new questions about faith, new questions about community. And it looks like um, their engagement on issues that we won't really think about in the church as spiritual or religious issues. Mm-hmm. How would you say the pandemic has affected students and their spirituality? The same is true that I would say for students as it is for all of us. Mm. It's made us more honest, mm. more vulnerable, and it's in- encouraged us and almost forced us to ask deeper questions around what is life and not these just existential questions. But what does it mean for us to be connected to community? I know that we think of young people as being really digital, a digital generation, Mm -hmm. but they are looking for real community of Mm -hmm. being with people, of storytelling, of remembering and also making new memories. And seeing that with our students has actually increased student engagement across the board. Mm. You are what you call a freedom coach involving mindset coaching, executive coaching. What's your approach in that life-giving work? Oh, (laughs) my face is lit up, Peter. And it's because it's encouraging people to be curious about themselves. We walk around with a knowing. We know. We figured everything out. We're applauded for all that we know. And in my coaching, I welcome people into the questions, welcome people into the questions about their careers and their identities and their work and what brings their soul joy. That's the question Mm -hmm. I ask over and over is what is bringing Mm -hmm. your soul joy? And you're a certified yoga teacher. Do you find that to be a spiritual exercise, literally? Yes. And it is a spiritual exercise that I didn't even know would also be a part of my chaplaincy. Uh. Every Monday morning at 8 a.m., I teach a yoga class right outside of the university chapel. And people come, and I'm able to engage with yoga and body movement. And there I am as the chaplain. Teresa, your bio says that you are a lover of life and a music connoisseur who prioritizes self-care and believes that freedom is not optional, rest is her strength, and radical joy is her resistance. I love that. I wonder if you could unpack that for us. Why are those goals so meaningful to you? I grew up in a family in southern Mississippi that worked really hard. Mm -hmm. And they worked so hard that I didn't see them live life, enjoy life. And what does it mean for me to think about living in a different way of freedom and joy Mm. as my resistance and that freedom is to take naps and to drink water and to move (laughs) my body and to Mm. walk and pray and to laugh and not just check boxes for resume or boxes around achievement and um, they modeled for me a really great life and I also thought there's a different way to do this life as well. So how did you experience your call to become a minister and to serve in the academy as a dean and chaplain? My Mississippi background, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I loved Bible stories. I can't remember ever not going to church growing up, and I loved the Bible. I had a deep, deep love for the Bible. And so when I was 14, I had a clear understanding of God's call in my life. Hmm. And my pastor told me in my little church that girls don't grow up to be pastors. 
And I didn't know what to do with my love for God and Bible and also my love for church and people. And now I'm able to tell Bible stories (laughs) and be with people as a pastor and as a dean, allowing people to love Bible, Mm. truly love Bible. And what does it mean for us to think about our text as living and breathing and relevant to us today? Beautiful. Well, Teresa, this is the first Sunday of Advent. What do you hope happens during our journey to the birth of Christ? Is that we keep looking forward, Hmm. that we can get into the tradition so much that we're stuck and we forget to imagine and to have wonder. This is the season of wonder Hmm. and awe and to not already know what's going to happen, but to be curious and to work towards what what the possibilities could be. Hmm. Well, your sermon is based on the epistle lesson for this Sunday from Romans chapter 13. Would you read it for us? A reading from Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then... Lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and lasciviousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires." A rousing call from the Apostle Paul to put on the armor of light. What stood out for you as you prepared your sermon? The wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Waking up and a lot of us are sleepwalking. Mm, And the, the call of being awake is not just the call that we hear now of the popular term being woke, but to sleep. And now to wake up, Mm. to be well rested and to wake up because there's work to do. And so... What does it mean for us to actively sleep and get our rest and also to wake up to what is now? Teresa, your sermon is titled, What Time Is It? Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks, Peter. This is Peter Wallace. I don't know about you, but I can't believe we're already approaching the Christmas holidays in a brand new year. But before this year is over, please consider sending Day One a generous tax-deductible donation to allow us to begin a new year of inspiring programs. As we deal with difficult challenges to continue this ministry, we need your help so we can keep sharing God's hope and love through the powerful preaching of God's Word and your year-end donation will be matched. So please mail your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305, or call us at 404-815-9110, or give securely online at dayone.org. Thank you, and God bless you.
1970, the group Chicago released a song entitled, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? The song was released during a tense political time in this country. The ongoing Vietnam War and the not-too-distant assassinations of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy. While the nation was in turmoil, the songwriter notes that people were running around the city streets, pushing, shoving, trying to beat the clock. The song's chorus repeatedly asked, Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? In 1975, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, with Teddy Pendergrass singing lead, released the song, Wake Up Everybody. With the opening lyrics, Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more backward thinking, time for thinking ahead. Though written 47 years ago, the lyrics are relatable to us today. They also echo the words of the Apostle Paul back in A.D. 57. Paul, away in Corinth, sends a lengthy letter to the new Christians in Rome who are spiritually sleepwalking through life. These Gentile and Jewish converts are trying to establish themselves as a community and a church amid a broken and fractured society. At the time of this letter, the Roman Empire was dominated by the haves who subjugated the have-nots to lives of abject poverty and servitude. Under Nero, whose reign is often characterized as one of extravagance and terror, the Roman Empire was ruthless to the marginalized and anyone who did not bow down to Nero's authority. Thus, Being Christian and establishing a beloved community was a significant risk and required total commitment to the good of the whole and unwavering faith in their new Christian identities because their very lives were at stake. So it makes sense for Paul to urge these Christians in Rome to keep a low profile, to stay out of trouble, and to not bring any undue attention to the church. He says they must obey the authorities, pay their taxes, respect customs, and love one another. Paul moves from tax returns to love, from fulfilling man's law to living into God's commandments. We pick up the story with today's lectionary text, which begins with the phrase, Besides this, which lets us know that there is indeed more to come. You see, without jazzy horns, a thumping bass line, or smooth lead vocals, Paul asks the question, just like Chicago and Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, what time is it? People can give time by monitoring the sun or looking at nearly any electronic device these days. However, the ability to tell time is more than numbers on a clock, a watch, or a calendar. Paul goes beyond the obvious and makes a profound statement about discernment and knowing who owns time. 
Chronos time is how we measure and count our days quantitatively, while Kairos time is how we experience, live, and understand our existence qualitatively. Chronos is managed by humans, but Kairos is held in the abundance of God's economy. These new Christians, they know time according to their earthly taskmaster, and as a result, their behaviors demonstrate that they are woefully out of sync with God's time. For them, it's still night, and as they revel in nighttime activities, the sort of happenings they would rather not expose to the daylight or others, such as drunkenness, quarreling, and jealousy. So Paul says, yes, you must love your neighbor, but you must do even more. Believers, wake up. The night is over. It is time to wipe the sleep from your eyes and put on Christ because salvation is near. What time is it? The big box stores and television networks tell you this is the most wonderful time of the year, full of shopping and holiday movies. I understand that your families and friends are telling you that this is the time, once again, to host the parties and trim the tree. But then the Sunday school teachers want your input for this year's pageant, and the choir needs you at the cantata rehearsal. However, my friends, on this first Sunday of Advent, in the year of our Lord 2022, there is an urgency for believers, new and old, to wake up, get out of bed, get dressed, and to put on the armor of light because there is still work to do. There is still work to do in our communities as we work towards affordable housing and safe schools for all of God's children. Work is needed as refugee families rebuild and make home in a new land far from their familiar shores. We must come together to work for clean drinking water in our poorest cities and eradicate systemic evils of every kind. We must begin doing the work that addresses the mental health endemic that is taking the lives of our children, adolescents, and young adults. And finally, as much as it makes us uncomfortable to talk about, we still must work to address racism and sexism in our churches, from the pulpit to the pews. We must wake up because there is still work to do. Paul's clarion call to awaken from our complacency and malaise is the call of Advent. Advent is the season of waiting, but not navel-gazing. This is the season of preparing and making room for God's will to be done on earth. Advent is the perfect time for a spiritual wardrobe change, taking off the weights of selfish ambition, capitalism, ageism, and homophobia, and putting on truth, justice, mercy, and compassion in exchange. When we light the Advent wreath, we light each candle grounded in words to encourage 
and propel us forward to be co-creators with God. Faith, hope, love, and joy. Not in the past, not just for today, but for tomorrow, the future. Advent is the epitome of Kairos, God's timing. That amid struggle, political oppression, and violence, even while living under the thumb of a ruthless empire in the body of a young woman, God, who is timeless, shows up in Kronos, our timing, as an infant who is Alpha and Omega, but who is born to save us even before we know ourselves. This infant re-narrates the story and reorients us, believers, to keep working in and towards the beloved community, which is present and still yet to come. And yet, I believe that Paul's urgency is grounded in joy. Oh, look around at the infinite possibilities before us. This is the season of celebration, joy, and wonder. Not just in what was, but in what could be. My friends, now is the time. Imagine what we could do together if only we knew how to tell time. Imagine how we could be instruments of grace, kindness, peace, and hope in a battered and discouraged, exhausted, and torn world. If only we knew what time it is. Amen. My friends, God is good and life is generous. The universe and the ancestors are conspiring for our greatest good as we hold tight to hope, demand freedom, pursue joy, welcome grace, and be overwhelmed by the extravagant love of Jesus Christ. May we enter this season of Advent with the wonder and awe of a child. And may we make the world so for the sake of God's kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to the Reverend Dr. Teresa Thames, a United Methodist minister who serves as Associate Dean of Religious Life in the Chapel at Princeton University in Princeton, New Jersey. For a free transcript of her sermon today, What Time Is It?, call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Keep in mind that Day One depends on the financial offerings of our faithful listeners. Please send your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. We're grateful for your help. I'm Peter Wallace. Next week on Day One, we're honored to have with us the Reverend Talitha Arnold, Senior Minister of the United Church of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Her powerful sermon for the second Sunday of Advent is called The Fire This Time. Be sure to join us next time on Day One.
Now, our Day One preacher, Teresa Thames, offers some final reflections about her sermon today, What Time Is It? And Teresa, I loved your musical riff on Paul's word to the Romans that they know what time it is. We hear echoes of that in the Chicago song, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? And Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Wake Up, Everybody. You said Paul writes to these Roman Christians who are spiritually sleepwalking through life, And that feels so relatable today. Why do you think we Christians who possess a vibrant faith, follow a living Savior, filled with the Spirit, why are we, like these Roman Christians, often so sleepy in our faith? Because we're comfortable Mm. in our faith. The comfort zone is comfortable. You don't have to ask anything new. You don't have to do anything new. You actually have a rhythm going. It's familiar. But nothing grows in the comfort zone. Mm. You know, nothing grows when we're sitting around. And then we go into navel-gazing and complaining and bickering. But it's beyond our comfort zone where God is calling us. It is beyond what we know that Paul is calling us. And Paul asks the Romans and us, what time is it? And and you made the distinction between Kronos time and Kairos time. Would you say more about why that distinction is helpful in our understanding of our faith and how we live it? Kronos time really is the place where we're measuring all the time. It can lead to competition mm. and comparison and metrics and church attendance and budget numbers where we miss the kairos, the moments of being with people, the moments that God is saying, this is fruitful for ministry right here. And how do we, um, how are we counterproductive Mm. to the moment? How can we model a different way of measurement? Mm -hmm. And kairos is the way that we do that. Advent, you pointed out, is an ideal time to wake up and get to work in our communities. As you put it, this urgency to awaken from our complacency and malaise is the call of Advent. Advent is the season of waiting, but not navel-gazing. So it's a perfect time to prepare and make room for God's will to be done on earth. How do we accept this call? How do we wake up? Stepping into the unknown. Mm of holding on to the tradition and also making room. Let every heart prepare room and make room. That is what we can do is be made uncomfortable. And also just the word that I keep using over again is curious, being Mm -hmm. curious about what's to come. And what we've seen is that we had a way of doing things and then everything changed across yes. the world. And we had to then think again how to do something new. And Advent is the season of doing something new. God did something new in the incarnation. Mm. Teresa, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will carry with them in the days ahead? I hope the listeners carry away that there are possibilities that we can't even imagine. Mm. That there is wonder and awe that we haven't done a strategic plan around, that we haven't put a budget around, that we can't vision, but God has visioned for us and that we are co-creators in that vision. And so the invitation to keep co-creating. Amen. Teresa Thames, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings.
on day one and forever. 